Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, listeners. Today I have a very interesting topic for you guys. I was having a conversation with one of my good friends yesterday, and I was bringing up the topic of the intriguing and mysterious nature of how human beings respond and relate to each other in the unseen places. For example, if you have a tendency to have bad social interactions with people, and that's just been a repetitive pattern over and over again, you have a tendency to believe that people don't interact well with each other or just with you or something like that. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, not necessarily because something in some ethereal realm is changing and some part of reality that we cannot touch is being affected, although I think some of that is actually at play, and I'll get to that in later, but because on at least the physical level, you have changed your mind frame. You have changed even the chemicals that are going through your system, usually from the brain. Your expression changes. Your posture changes. Your tone changes. And the way that you interact with people has a tendency to actually now cause the effect that you have already expected going in, which is having an unpleasant social interaction with another person or people. So I was talking about that part of it, and almost out of instinct, I added the note, and I think that there's something spiritual going on as well. And as a Christian, of course, I tend to believe along those lines, even if I don't really know how to explain it. But my friend made the very apt reply of asking the question, well, what part of it is spiritual? So that is the topic for today. What is the spiritual? I was challenged in that moment in a very good way. Many people who know me know that while I am a very strong Christian, I tend to be a very rational thinker. I think along the lines of physicality, of chemicals, of animal instinct, and that kind of thing. So this challenged me to think or to ponder through and try to explain if there is something spiritual going on in these kinds of interactions, what are those spiritual things? And it did put me under the pile a little bit, and again, in a very good way. I like being confounded, especially from people who are for me, who are my friends. It's one thing to be confounded by an antagonist, somebody who wants you to fail. It's quite another thing when a well-meaning and reasonable friend asks you a pointed question that you can't answer, and you're more likely to really ponder the question in that kind of a circumstance. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this sort of thing, but when challenged in that way, if you are a Christian, if you are a religious or spiritual thinking person, or at least you concede to that part of reality, it can be a challenge if you tend to be a rational, think, a rationally minded person to 
not think that you are going too far in one direction. And I think that everybody has a tendency to err in one way or another, and that is important to acknowledge and to deal with. Anyway, getting back to the point of the conversation. Where does the spiritual really lie? So let's take that kind of an interaction when you are having an unpleasant interaction with another human being, which has been the pattern ongoing for probably months, if not years, reinforcing that belief. There's all kinds of physical and chemical and expression, human interaction, things going on that are reinforcing that. But what is the spiritual component? One of the first hints that my mind immediately went to in this conversation was the, was the simple verse in the Bible, God is spirit. And I don't, get, I don't think that's the full verse, but it's part of the Bible in any case. Okay, what does that mean? Another hint that came to my mind is what C.S. Lewis said, or at least theorized about the spiritual. He pointed out, I can't remember in what book, but... He pointed out that the spiritual realm is, if anything, probably more opaque, more real than the realm in which we exist. In other words, the reason why we have, for example, Jesus passing through walls, etc., is because his reality is so real, the reality that he was taking part in once again is so much more real that to him and to his perception, it is our reality which is ghostly. It is our reality which is ethereal and transparent. So, of course, to us, spirits would seem to be doing things like what ghosts could do, but not because, what, uh, not because of their reality being less real than ours, but because their reality is more real than ours. And that, for me, was revelatory, especially at the time of first reading it, because it certainly turned things on their head in a way that I think is very important for us to understand. We have a tendency to think, and I think quite rightly, that ghosts and such things like that, the ethereal or forces like gravity, though I think that's a misnomer personally, not to go into discussion about that anyways, to call gravity a force, I mean, Whatever the case, we think of it as immaterial. We think of it as less opaque than us, than earth and sky and grass. And I think that we are quite right in thinking that and believing that. But there is a tendency to think that the spiritual is more so, or sorry, is very much the same way. Why would that be, though, if you really consider it? Why would that be? Now, if you think of something as in one, one way you could put it is that the spiritual is more physical than us. I don't think that's exactly correct, but it's kind of heading in the right direction. But if that were the case, then how could we have a spirit within our own bodies? That would not make sense. However, in physics, we know... For example, that there is enough space in between molecules, even on a wooden desk, that if you rearrange them in the right way, physical bodies, and you know the physical body also passing through in this idea, a physical wooden desk, well, that could actually happen quite easily, quite well, quite 
without interference, provided that the molecules could be made to interact in a certain way. This is one way in which C.S. Lewis theorized how, on the physical level, Jesus might have walked on water. What if you could simply alter the relationship between the molecules of your feet and the surface of the water? Now, again, this is just something spiritually based that is, hap that is being manifested on a physical level. It's not trying to diminish the miracle. It's trying to suss out, trying to think out how the miracle in our physical realm with our physical laws might have actually occurred. Now, of course, we don't know. We can't go back to that time and study the molecules and so on that were under Jesus' feet when he was walking on the water. But whatever the case, we know through physics, through science, that if you could change the interaction between physical molecules in such a way then a seemingly or a physical object could pass through another physical object without any sort of interference. Now, if anything, what is spirit is greater than that. It's not just manipulating the molecules. You could say that it is it has mastery over them in a way that we cannot yet fathom. Now, I'm not saying that this is a fact. I'm just going with the best theories that I've heard. If that were the case, then for us to be, our physical bodies to be, say, an anchor for a spirit would cause no interference or confusion of any sort at all. Of course, they could interact if the greater realness of your spirit simply does not conflict at all, even though it is more real. Anyways, that's going into a great deal of the theoretical, but nevertheless, I wanted to bring it up. Now, another argument that I have heard, which I find very interesting, but I did, it did not come up in my discussion last night, is the best argument that I have heard from an atheist perspective against atheism itself. And that is this. Evolution theorizes that every advancement in biological organisms is a simple addition. It's an adaptation put on top of an adaptation put on top of an adaptation. Now, of course, they try to argue that human beings are a mere expansion pack of the same sort. In other words, our ability to think, our ability to theorize and abstract is merely an expansion pack from the monkey, so to speak. However, we as human beings morally reason. To put it in a slightly more complex but more complete way, we compare proposed actions to ideal standards, moral reasoning. Now that is not just an additional ability of thinking, that is not just an expansion pack upon that which we see in the rest of nature. That is not a difference of degree. That is a difference of kind. How can an atheist explain that? Now, again, that's just the argument anti-atheist by an atheist, which I highly expect, respect an atheist to even say such an argument, to even come up with it. Now, this guy is kind of one of my teachers, and he is very friendly to Christianity, but I digress. 
I want to use this argument to kind of shed more light on where is the spiritual in these matters. Moral reasoning, our capacity to compare proposed actions to ideal standards. You look at the rest of the animal kingdom, the rest of pretty much all of existence on our planet, as opposed to humans, and to quote a little bit of G.K. Chesterton, they not only don't begin to do it, they don't begin to begin to do it. You can look at even the most, quote, creative behaviors in the animal kingdom, uh, of which I would consider a bird building a nest. There's even a bird, by the way, out there in nature that will build a room as a sort of mating dance or mating ritual. And it does actually resemble in some small ways a human living room, the way that we build our houses in America today. However, you look at that bird, you observe that bird, generation to generation, male to male to male bird, and they all do the same thing, with some slight variances, but they don't change their general behavior. You could call it creative, but it really isn't. What they are doing is what is essentially programmed in them to do. They just do the same thing over and over again. Now, you could argue that going back to the original analogy or idea, uh, example, rather, of a person who's used to having negative social interactions, reinforcing it because of their belief, well, in the actual outworking of that, it's rather like instinct. It's like doing the same thing over and over again. And by the way, with this kind of an argument, I would agree. And this brings us to a very important lesson that comes from Paul in the Bible. He points out that when people have abandoned God, they will be given over at some point to their debased mind. What does that mean? To me, that says that we will become less human. In other words, the not expansion pack, but difference of kind that makes human beings unique in the animal kingdom and on Earth and in maybe even the universe as a whole will be abandoned. We, we have rejected it and God lets us essentially discard it. We become more animal-like. We become guided not by principles or virtues, but by not beliefs in the sense of believing in God, but beliefs in the sense of believing in conspiracy, believing in climate change, believing in politics, believing in cults, whatever it might be. In other words, we cease making decisions on our own, with our own minds, and we simply are guided by programming. And what, that, what is that programming? Essentially, whatever programming we have chosen to believe in. Now, I'm not saying that that is the only interpretation of these verses from Paul, but I think it is one possible way of looking at it. We can abandon, and God will allow us to abandon, our very humanness. And we become more like the animals. And of course, because we started out as humans... And I'm not saying we change stays, as in we become not human. But the fact that we started out, at least, with the capacity 
to really grow into full free will, full self-control, etc., but abandon it, we cannot actually become animal. In a fashion, you might say we become less. We become more base. We become more ugly. The further we reject the humanity we've been given by God. You could say we de-evolve. But I think the right way of putting it is that we reject that special element that God has given us in particular as compared to the rest of the world. So, returning to the original example again. A person who is having negative, continuous negative social interactions with people. What is really going on as in contradistinction to the physical level, the chemicals, the expressions, and so on? What is going on in the spiritual? Where is the spirit there? The way that I have to put it, or the way that I at least have to put it at the moment, the best I've come to, is that the spirit are the spirits or spiritual are the bigger players. Because certainly, as Christians well believe, there is always a number of spirits besides our own that are interacting in these interactions. There's Satan and the enemy in general who want human beings to stray further from God and from their very humanness. There's God who even in a negative circumstance, even in a negative interaction, as the scriptures say, will work, desire, well, desires to and does work out all things for good for those who love him. I think he wants to work things out for good for those who don't yet love him because he wants to draw them to himself. And in a previous podcast, you should go back to it, I believe, uh, yeah, it was called God's Not Good? Question mark. I discuss what really is the good. In any case, God wants that and he is interacting in that. And then we also are one of these players. And this brings me to another analogy before I proceed that I think is very helpful here. How about a book or a video game? See, one of the contentions that my friend brought up when I was talking about our reality being the less real by comparison to the spiritual, understandably, he was curious about our reality being really real at all, if you were to see it from that perspective. So I had to work on that, and again, a very good exercise it was. So again, a book or a video game. That is a reality separate from us, and obviously I'm talking about fiction in the sense of books as well. That is a reality that is separate from us. You could say that is that it is less and less real than us and our reality, but that doesn't mean it has no realness whatsoever. I mean, how many people have been extremely upset over what's going on lately, for example, in the series The Rings of Power, as compared to the canon of the Cimmerillion and the writings in general of J.R.R. Tolkien? There is a realness to that story 
that we call canon that people don't don't just care about they care deeply about it they care passionately about it and as hollywood has been basically using that as very light inspiration and generally speaking throwing the integrity or the continuity of the original stories in the bin in the trash that is i use the english word they get extremely upset so there is a realness to those creations and by the way when it comes to creativity i do think that this is one of the things that sets human beings apart that was actually what gk chesterton was talking about when he said Animals don't only not begin to do it, they don't begin to begin to do it. Anyway. Or in the video game. We get invested, especially with uh, in a video game with a really good story, we can get quite invested in the story itself. Yes, it's not real in the sense that it's not a part of our world. But there is a realness to it. It is someone's actual creation, actual invention. And we do care, care about it. We can get emotionally invested in these stories. So the fact that it's less real than our reality does not mean that it is not real at all. It's just less. Now granted, this analogy does break down because the people in the story of a book or the people in this, or, you know, characters in the story of a book or a video game do not have free will, as we do. But it does show, I think, that even a fictional reality still has a sort of reality and separate from our own. Now, going back, I mentioned that the spiritual in these kinds of interactions are the bigger players. And this, again, highlights the difference. We, as I said before I digressed, are one of those players. So the bigger players in this sense are what you could also call the bigger wills. That which intends, that which has a design, a path that it wants to follow. God, Satan, us. And yeah, you could start adding in more, maybe angels, maybe demons. And I'm not saying that there's this constant battle right in front of us, right around us all the time. But these intentions are there. You could almost say that the spiritual shows up almost readable on our level on the razor's edge of free will. So, going back to the original example, the person who has these expressions and chemicals going through their system and just keeps having these interactions over and over again could wake up one day and begin to realize that he or she has just been dancing to the tune of their beliefs. They've accepted this as a reality. They've allowed their expressions, etc. I don't need to go through it over and over again, but to come out in such and such a way. What are they doing? When they begin to wake up to this, they are beginning to compare proposed actions to ideal standards. They're starting to gain self-control. 
they're started to, starting to see above and beyond mere programming, mere animal-like tendencies. They can take hold of their false beliefs. We can begin to counteract mere activities of chemicals and expressions. And maybe even reverse and stop this trend and be able to start having pleasant interactions with people. Maybe you read books. Maybe you listen to podcasts. Hello. Maybe you watch videos on YouTube. Or maybe you just sit and think about it for a while, meditate, ponder. Maybe you read the Bible. And start to try to really counteract this stuff. Now, can an animal do that? Do, do animals do that on their own? No. Human beings can help animals to change their behavior, but that is mere behavior modification. We do something more. We morally reason. We express free will. We can not just change in the sense of behavior, but really change. We can change what we believe. And then when it comes down to individual interactions with things or people, the outworking of that has to do with chemicals, with mood, with expressions, with sound waves going through the air and entering into our eardrums and pulsing through our system. But that's just the lower expression. That is the manifestation of what's happening among the bigger players, which again includes us. So for me, as a very rational thinker and a Christian, that's my best shot at the moment at where the spiritual really lies, where we can see it in our everyday interactions. So I hope this has been interesting for everybody. I will talk to you next time.